0: God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you you must be so excited. Listen now.
1: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. Welcome to The
2: Gargle, the last bastion of lies in a world full of truth or vice versa. You decide, don't let me tell you what to think. Just express your opinion, I'll tell you afterwards if I hate you for it or not. Sure, in previous episodes we've gone for classical and modern references, partly for fun and partly as a way of forcing me, your host, Alice Fraser, to expand my woeful pop culture knowledge. But today, I felt like metatextual self-reference and call it narcissism if you like, it's my f***ing show. Which is to say... (laughs) As the bugle is to newspapers, the gargle is to the glossy magazine you get in newspapers sometimes. No politics said in this universe. Welcome this week's guest editors. Glamorous and suspiciously funny in that he's an intimidatingly good jokesmith and I refuse to believe he hasn't sold something to someone for that level of skill. It's Matt Kirshen. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey. How are you? I'm good. I actually have, um, I I sold an old printer to a friend once. (laughs) So, you know. I'm no stranger to retail.
2: <laughs> and a man who makes it his business to get angry and then also, in a surprise twist, actually literally gets stuff done about it, Nato Green. welcome.
0: Hey, buddy.
3: How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm excited to get cracking into this week's magazine. Let's uh, have a look at the front cover. Front page this week is Britney Spears posing provocatively, covered only by the insane possessive greed of her deadbeat dependent dad. The headline reads, Well, she's not more mental than any other mental celebrity. Let her buy her own jet ski or baby or whatever. (laughs) Other headlines on the front cover include, Bitcoin shanghaied by China crackdown. Who could have seen this coming? Anyone who noticed that an ostensibly decentralized currency was being mined predominantly in a nation state not known for its embrace of anti-authoritarian thinking. And, quote, Our secret battle for his love, end quote. Bill and Melinda Gates agree to share custody of Warren Buffett. (laughs) The satirical cartoon this week is a whiteboard in 10 Downing Street with a crude sketch of an array of frozen sausages littering the ground in a 66-acre floodlit 24-hour truck park in Kent. Now let's get into the magazine. Uh, this week, destruction zone is our is our topic number one. This is this is a story from Amazon. NATO, you're in the land of Amazon, um, which is to say America. <laughs> Not the other one. <laughs> what is this story?
3: We burned it down. <laughs> we burned down the other one. The actual Amazon was destroyed. And so now we only have the idea of Amazon <laughs> to represent yeah. destruction. Uh, yeah, so Amazon has been, uh, uh, there was an a, a investigative report uh, out, of, out of England that, uh, or the UK or whatever the f- you call it, that Amazon was destroying 130,000 packages a week. And environmentalists are concerned that it's it's incredibly wasteful and bad for the climate. And they say that Amazon shipping packages create a lot of waste from all the dis- discarded cardboard, but not if they destroy the packages before they get <laughs> shipped. Aha, uh-huh. checkmate enviros.
2: I love this story so much because it's almost like a, th- it's like a threat that you need to buy these things. You know, buy it or the package gets it.
0: Yeah, yeah. we would rather destroy a MacBook than give it to a charity. We would rather burn it. This is one of those stories, though, that's like, I don't like to be that kind of, well, duh, what did you think they were doing kind of guy. But, like, it's like when a t-shirt costs three dollars, like something bad is happening. Like, there's no... (laughs) Amazon, you can... Like, all other online stores, if you buy something, they're like, yeah, we think we can probably get it to you by Friday if we really rush this thing. And Amazon is like, we're already outside your house. Where do you want it? Like, uh, like some th- there can only be a bad reason for why that's happening. It's not that they're just better at driving than the other companies.
2: <laughs> like we're Nothing. really
0: we're, we're really clever at driving.
2: Things are only this cheap because you need the money for, like, conscience salve, which is quite right. expensive.
3: <laughs> the products they weren't getting incinerated, they were being sent to a landfill, which means the steepest prime day discounts are at the dump. If you know where to look for them. Uh when I was a kid, my dad would say like like he, we my dad was one of those people who would get excited about a deal. And he'd be like, Oh, that's such a deal. With that kind of savings, I could buy one and throw it away. <laughs> and so they did.
2: <laughs> I just I always find like these like these landfills full of unused consumer items what will historians in the future think assuming that you know society will degrade and we'll have to rebuild ourselves from the rubble when they dig that what will they are they going to think it's some sort of horrifying burial mound or what is that what the pyramids were just unused pyramids that people didn't buy for home use
0: yeah that was the issue um the problem is it's like it's really expensive storage the pyramids like the warehousing cost is really high because firstly, construction, the pyramids. And secondly, you know, the pyramids are a big tourist destination, but that pushes the price up. So mm. now you're like, oh, OK, we've only got so much pyramid and so few, you know, so many sarcophagi.
2: So they just dump it in the desert.
0: <laughs> yeah, and eventually they just have to go, right?
2: Like the unused Atari ET game. <laughs> exactly.
3: This raises a question for me, and I'm sorry for a stupid tangent. What do you think they called pyramid schemes in ancient Egypt? <laughs> do, you, do you think they were like, huh? Ah, that, they're doing that, whatever that, you know?
2: Graveyard
0: schemes. Grave deals.
2: <laughs> Your ad section now, because what other metric do we have for knowing that we're better than animals, except that gorillas don't buy designer pants? <laughs> Have you noticed people talking about how tough Australian men are? Anytime they need a tough guy in a Hollywood movie, they bring in an Australian. Hugh Jackman, Joel Edgerton, one of the Hemsworths. Even Arnold Schwarzenegger was brought in board before they had figured out how to spell Australia properly. If you're feeling a lack of masculinity, <laughs> sign up for our subscription, Man Service, Roller Bloke. Essentially just a himbo strapped to a Roomba, the Roller Bloke will grease your house with his delicately balanced biceps as the small robot vacuum cleaner follows you around spouting a series of phrases loosely based on the kind of things you wish men in your life said more. I'd give examples, but they'd all rely on stereotypes that would be insulting to both of us. Experience the insulting stereotypes in the privacy of your own home with Rollerbloke. Available online now, no refunds, no returns, no worries. <laughs> and are you concerned about critical race theory? Worry no more with our 63-part podcast series, All of History, as Professor History and guest host Joanne Rogan walk you through all the other theories and narrative logics that historians use to frame, reframe, and understand the impossibly complex reality of the past. Swoon to Marxist theory, gasp at feminist history, applaud wildly at the great man theory of historical events. Alexander the Great conquered the world. What? How can you even begin to sum up the vast range of interlocking structures that allowed for a single individual to be credited with that outcome? Find out in all of history, available soon online.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
2: Now it's time for section two, food stories. Uh, we have two main stories in food this week. Matt Kirshen, have you been following the latest nutcracking news about these missing pistachios?
0: I sure have, Alice. This is This is quite the story, because it turns out this big pistachio company called Touchstone, by the way, which I don't know whether they are directly related to Touchstone Pictures. I hope they are. <laughs> like, Touchstone Pictures apparently no longer exist they stopped in 2018 and i guess they moved into the pistachio world <laughs> and it turns out one of their truck drivers has just been taking massive bags of pistachios and reselling them
2: i just respect a physical heist in these days of like high-tech hostage yeah, ho- like people who can just siphon pistachios away that like that takes
0: There's something very pleasing about that and it's not an easy <laughs> heist because i know they're light i know pistachios are lighter than gold but they crinkle There's a noise trail. I know we shouldn't be condoning theft on this show, but there is a certain sort of Robin Hood, one for the little guy kind of... This is kind of one in the eye for Big Nut.
2: Yeah, it feels like the kind of story in which the comments section will be mainly made of puns rather than people trying to kill each other. You know what I mean? Nato, have you been following this pistachio news?
3: I sure have. Uh, Speaking of busted nuts, I've uh, officially (laughs) reached the level... Of fame that I was given the opportunity to become a brand ambassador for Smooth My Balls, so <laughs> that's a big personal triumph for me. Uh, yeah, I have been following the story. It happened- Sorry,
0: you've just you've just glossed over that. We we've, I've got to have closure on this story. Did you or did you not accept that deal?
3: Uh, I did not accept the deal uh, oh. because they they said that uh, the, like it, like I was looked at the materials. And it was like that. You said that they would. You could make your balls smooth as an egg. Oh which no! Sounds like a oh, no. like <laughs> not a safe medical condition. <laughs> oh, <no.
0: laughs> what, with it, were there other like... restrictions as well. That if you went with them, you couldn't you couldn't even mention other ball smoothing products. <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
2: I just feel like the only logical way to smooth out a set of balls would be to inflate them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is exactly what the company is <laughs> it's just a pump and a needle
3: there were all kinds of shaving hair grooming products uh to contain the hair so i was just fascinated that they had whatever i was doing that they had, I feel
2: like the the central textural problem of the testicle is not the hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that
3: they well, that they had profiled me as 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 a likely candidate in need of uh In need of of (laughs) ball smoothing.
0: (laughs) Just be there like, I mean, I like my balls, but they're just so textured. (laughs) Yeah. If there's only something I could do.
2: Sandpapering my way through my underpants like like an Australian (laughs) cricket player trying to get away with something. (laughs) (laughs) That's heartbreaking.
0: I mean, a cricket player could actually use them to rig the balls. (laughs) (laughs) Rig the cricket.
2: Come on.
0: Can you smooth one side of the balls and rough up the other so that you get more bend in the air?
3: <laughs> this, uh, laws of conservation of ball texture.
0: <laughs> you have to have a constant. Your average ball smoothness has to remain the same.
3: I want to maintain the same texture, but I just want to redistribute it.
0: Oh, it's just some horrible curse. Like, you smooth your balls, and then just all other balls in the world just become a tiny bit rougher. <laughs>
3: So the pistachio heist uh, in Tular County, California, the thief was was apprehended, and his name was Alberto Montemayor, and uh, Montemayor is in is Spanish for the bigger mountain, and he stole a literal Montemayor of pistachios, and I love that like that the idea that, that he's like that, that he's that guy and that's what he does. My name is Montemayor, and I do one thing. I do things that are Montemayor. If it's Montemayor, I will do it. The biggest mountain in California is near my house. It's Mount Whitney. I can walk up it. I have big poops. I eat super nachos by myself. I do Montemayor things.
2: It's not just the bilingual pun that I enjoy about this, uh, NATO Green, so much as the the upraised index finger of an old Jewish man in a cafe telling a great joke.
3: (laughs) Have I complained to you about the the, the structural anti-Semitism of Zoom, that there's not a separate (laughs) screen for my hands? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He stole 42,000 pounds of pistachios. And so this was the trucking company for the Touchstone Pistachio Company, or whatever they're called. And they found it in another lot near the Montemayor Trucking Company. And so, but the story made it seem like it was (laughs) like Sherlock. Do you know what I mean? Like... The crack investigative team from the Sheriff's Department went to Montemayor Trucking and we, we searched high and low for a truck with 42,000 pounds of pistachios <laughs> and we walked around the block and there <laughs> it was. On the other side of the building we, we
0: marked we marked forty two thousand pounds of pistachios with a fluorescent dye <laughs> <laughs> yes. well, I feel like this kind of
2: story when it's when you get away with that much of a heist forty two thousand pounds of pistachios it's a lot like when they find you know an undiscovered civilization or something, and the story is not that we found this thing, it's that we spent a long time missing this thing, like when they found that new <laughs> yeah. bit of the human knee like three years ago, yeah. and you're like, how did we miss?" A bit of the knee.
0: I'm going to say that Mr. Montemayor maybe got a little bit carried away with his activities at one point. And <laughs> by a certain point, it wasn't even about the money. It was just <laughs> it was just the love of the game. It was just... <laughs> right, because
3: everyone knows that if you really want to get away with stealing 42,000 pounds of pistachios, you don't do it all in one go. Like <laughs> yeah. 42,000 pounds of pistachios is 21 tons or... To put it in terms that Alice will understand as Australian, about 190 Chris Hemsworths stacked on top of each other. (laughs) So, like, all of the Hemsworths.
0: He's just trying to play it off with a truck manifest, just like, no, no, this was... It says uh, 42 pistachios. (laughs) That's what they (laughs) sent me with. (laughs) And they are here. Count them. Every single one of them.
2: The classic problem is the choice of material to steal, because uh, you can never get away with just one pistachio. Pistachios are so Moorish. You you think you're just going to have a small handful as you've been told to by your health advisor, and in the end you've eaten (laughs) 42,000 (laughs) pounds.
0: That was their problem. (laughs) They were were just as... It's just as impossible to stop stealing them as it is to stop eating them.
2: Our next story has been sent in to us by at Captain Raggy on Twitter. This is an Australia story. It's close to my home. Uh, We're about to to launch an inquiry about whether we're allowed to call uh, fake meat meat meat-like things. Uh, Matt Kirshen, I know you you don't eat meat.
0: This Can is true. Can you tell us more I, about this story? I I don't eat meat. I do sometimes eat fake meat products. I do, however, think that the fake meat industry has gone too far. The fake meat scientists got carried away. They nailed it a few years ago. <laughs> they kept going. Now it's weird. There are competing brands of fake meat burger that are like this is so realistic it bleeds, and that's <laughs> that's not what I was missing. That's <laughs> it's not. The one thing I yearn for from my meat-eating days, the blood, the the horrible, the mouthfeel of blood, just the, the slaughterhouse in my face, kind of, like, try these real sex dolls. They cry. <laughs> <laughs> they get incredibly upset before, during, and after. They were programmed by fake meat scientists to be horrifyingly real. How, however, however, having said that, I do eat fake meat sausages and fake meat burgers, and at no point do I ever confuse them for the real thing. Which was the claim made by this Queensland uh, politician, Queensland Senator, Susan McDonald. And I'm going to warn you in advance that I have gone down quite the deep dive on Susan Macdonald. I got quite carried away <laughs> with this story.
2: But then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to that in just one second. Because the thing that I think is about uh, fake meat burgers and fake meat sausages is uh, no one's going to mistake real meat sausages for the real thing either. The vast majority yeah. <laughs> of real meat sausages bear very little resemblance to actual meat. But uh, tell us more about your deep dive, Macushen.
0: Susan McDonald, like she, she's she's proposed this law, and and she's it's basically a law that says anything that calls itself a sausage has to be made of meat. Like a sausage, she's defined a sausage as one pig and one intestine, <laughs> and and the union thereof. And anyone who says anything else is ungodly and going against the the will of the Lord.
3: Wait till someone tells her about soy milk. <laughs> yeah,
0: <right? laughs> well, the way she phrased it did make me wonder about her other voting hit past, and it was exactly what you might think it was. She has a very, very similar attitude to all things. She also voted against COVID funding for the arts. So f her as a, as an arts person. And also against gay rights and trans rights and all 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 the sort of rights. It's like it's meat. Sausage is a meat. It's a cow or a pig, and some shoes and knives and whatever else, gravel <laughs> and whatever else you can find, stuffed in a pretend intestine. And that is what sausage has to be. And these fake meat products are undermining the meat industry. And it's and it's all gonna. Okay. Uh, firstly, I will say I support <laughs> I support the fake meat products. I support the undermining of the meat industry as a non meat eater. I think the better they do. The, the better it is for the world like good for them this is this is one in the eye for big beef but also uh, I looked her up I found an article on the real website beefcentral.com <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is a real real website and it turns out she's a butcher magnate she comes from a family that owns this huge chain of butchers that own other chains of butchers she sold out just as she became a senator. She's meat royalty. This law isn't about, you know, protecting the little meat guy or about, you know, some kind of like moral crusade. This is looking after her own. This is like, no, if you want a sausage, you gotta buy it from me and my meat friends. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Neto Green, you do eat meat. What's your perspective on this?
3: When I was in college I took some anthropology classes and I read an I read an, an anthropology of meat. Uh, and how like And how all of our ideas about edibility and nutrition are completely culturally and socially constructed. And so, like, there's not an inherent reason why cows should be more edible than horses or dogs. That's just, like, how we... And so, it, it was this whole, like, elaborate thing about how all of our ideas about meat are just, like like have to you know and what isn't it is more or less edible are are all metaphors for how we understand ourselves and our own power structure and our own mortality and and that we use these things to to create a sense of of personality and distance and that kind of stuff but the reason that it's all nonsense that it's all made up from start to finish is like even meat itself is not real do you know what i mean like (laughs) If you have ever spent time in an emergency room, they're like, "Oh no, we someone just came in. They got shot in the filet mignon." You know what I mean? Like, it's all <laughs> it's all rubbish. So, uh, I love the idea that that there are people that they're worried that people in Australia might accidentally eat a a plant based meat and then become a vegetarian. Uh, yeah, mean, or, would, or
0: just just be deceived, just yeah. be tricked.
2: My favorite phrase in all of this discussion is being used by both sides about the relative confusion about the uses of this product. <laughs> I think <that laughs> there's such a limited number of uses for this product uh, that if they're worried about this, I think we have different issues in our society. They
3: they They don't want veggie burgers to be called burgers, but they will still call another thing another thing. That's a, a, a joke technique that Matt will recognize that we call, in America, we call that kiddlering. Uh, <laughs> when you have a joke structure, but you can't be bothered to actually think it through.
1: <laughs>
2: That's all the time we have for our food section, because now it's time for our reviews section. Regularly, we ask our guests to bring in something to review and review it out of five stars. Uh, Matt Kirshen, what have you brought in to review?
0: So I've brought in a squeezy bottle of saline solution that clears your sinuses, and here's why it interests me. You're both <laughs> writers, and and also NATO. I've just found out you're an, also an anthropologist. You'll know that, that the grand history of of stories and storytelling is the 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 sting in the tail. The be careful what you wish for, or no pain, no gain. You know, every every positive has a hidden negative. And this product, it works. You squeeze some saline. Are up your nose through the squeezy bottle and it clears out your sinuses and you can breathe slightly more easily but at the expense of making you feel like you jumped into a swimming pool without holding your nose
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so huge benefit but also a- a- at what cost <laughs> at what massive cost so a solid three and a half stars
2: three and a half stars and uh, NATO Green what have you brought us in to review
3: well to tie in with our earlier story I'm going to review pistachios. Uh, pistachios, <laughs> one star. Pistachios wow. are a bad nut. One wow. Star. Obviously, in the objective all time universal rankings of nuts, they are in order as follows almonds, pecans, walnuts, macadamia, peanuts, hazelnuts, then pistachios.
2: Interestingly, uh, peanut is a kind of a banana. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thanks for nothing, Frasier. Shelling pistachios is painful and frustrating, but not fun like peanuts, uh, which are fun to shell. The resulting nut tastes like wood with a rancid spray on it. Pistachio ice cream are bad. They're not versatile as a nut. I have many cookbooks and cooking magazines, and because I'm this person, I have a cookbook database site to organize my recipes. Uh, and I have 8,390 recipes in my on my shelf. And I looked it up today, just for sake, sake of comparison. I have 470 almond recipes, 264 walnut recipes, 245 peanut recipes, 107 pecan recipes, and only 84 pistachio recipes. They don't do shit. Pistachios are the muscles <laughs> of nuts. But instead of a beard like mussels have that you have to peel off, you have to cut your finger by getting out of the, getting them out of their stupid shells. Pistachios, one star. One star,
0: one star. Hang on, do you mean mussels' body part or mussels' the seafood? Mussels' the seafood. Okay, cool, just checking.
2: <laughs> yeah, Matt Kirshen thought you were trying to take advantage of your sponsorship <laughs> deal here. <laughs> That's all the time we have for our review section now, because now it's time for our money section. Uh, this week, Bitcoin... <laughs> Has continued to plunge from the heights of whatever it was being worth a certain amount of imaginary money, and now it's not worth as much imaginary money uh, because uh, a lot of Chinese regulators have cracked down on Bitcoin mining in China. NATO Green, you love money. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I I have a I have to confess I was trying to follow this story, and at any given time, like I'm at a high risk of feeling like a out of touch grumpy old man, and. I'm always afraid of being that like the old white guy comedian who has like a dated joke and then is like Googling references to update my reference. You know what I mean? Like there are these old, like old guy comedians who are like, I had a joke about Britney Spears, <laughs> Billy Eilish. What's up, kids? I'm relevant or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and I don't want to be that guy. Remember
0: when Billie Eilish <laughs> shaved her head?
3: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I know because my children told me.
0: <laughs> Bitcoin
3: makes me feel stupid. Actually, today, like to prepare for the show, I talked to some friends of mine who were in their 20s and it was like, explain Bitcoin to me. And they spent an hour talking me through it. And I was like, I feel like I'm watching a mass psychosis. <laughs> <laughs> Am I getting this right? That there are energy intensive, bad for the planet server farms in China that are called mines where computers make up digital currency that can't be used for anything, but people want to be able to speculate on it. And they were like, Exactly. So it's like having money to buy extra greaves for a suit of armor in a game of D&D, but the money <laughs> also causes climate change. And they're like, yes, now you understand. <laughs> so
2: Yes, <laughs> but importantly, NATO, uh, you can't tax it. So it is imaginary money that you can't really spend on anything except things on the dark web like assassinations and drugs and uh, NFTs, but uh, you can also not be taxed on it. So that's the, that's the pro.
0: You can buy some regular things like um, Meltdown Comics in LA used to take Bitcoin, but then they, they, they no longer exist. Uh, but now there's uh, like an apartment building that's being built where that used to exist. But you could now buy an assassin with Bitcoin to stop that building project and put the <laughs> comic store back in. So, you know, there are things you can do with Bitcoin. I, I vaguely understand bits of it and. I do have some issue with the idea of going like, oh, it's made up money because all money is fundamentally made up. And like all, all money, like money, you can't point at $10 any more than you can point at a Bitcoin. You can point like at a $10 bill, which represents the concept of $10, but that's not $10 as a thing. Yeah,
2: and you can point to a young man wearing wraparound shades and black that he doesn't need to in whether that's too warm for it and say that man represents 10,000
0: Bitcoins. <laughs> <laughs> right, Exactly. But having said that, Bitcoin has been explained to me by people who are big fans of it, and I don't see how it's sustainable. The reason why it needs these massive server farms is it has a built-in scarcity to make it more expensive, where the way it works is to generate new Bitcoin, you have to solve a complicated mathematical problem, and whichever computer gets there first wins the new Bitcoin. And the way it was designed was that this, the mathematics gets more complicated the more bitcoins generated so at the beginning it was very quick and easy and you could mine these bitcoin with just like a home computer and now it takes these massive server farms in china that use i think is it collectively the power consumption of argentina is used worldwide to generate bitcoin and on top of that you can't buy graphics cards anymore apparently if you're a gamer. <laughs> You can't get graphics cards because every graphics card is being used to generate Bitcoin because that's the type of computing that it works best with. And it's just going to hit a limit. Like, it's got to hit a cap. It was designed to have a built-in scarcity and a built-in, like, more difficult as it goes along. But I still just don't see how it's not a pyramid scheme. I don't see how this thing can grow continually. It has to reach a point where it stops. Like, it has to reach a point where the power consumption and the cost of these computers outweighs any value of the bitcoin
2: what we need to do is encourage the the bitcoin type of person to fully indulge in their anarcho-seasteading uh anti tendencies and then once all of the bitcoin in the world have been mined we just push them out into the ocean and they can look after themselves and each other
0: right <laughs> and this lovely planet with like as much molly and hitmen as you ever need <laughs> so
3: the story is that the bitcoin is in crisis this week, and the value of Bitcoin plunged because Chinese regulators are limiting the power supply to the server farms, which they call the mines, and have put the miners out of work. And there's just something <laughs> hilarious to me that they keep calling the miners. Do you know, like, like it's that I imagine someone in West Virginia with the black <laughs> yeah. lung being like, "Are you shitting me? All you do is plug in an Ethernet cable twice a day. Like, what is what? What are the hazards you're facing?"
0: There's this one guy just leaning back on a gaming chair now, just going like, "I have no other skills. What am I gonna do? <laughs> Get an oxy habit?"
2: It's just spreading the risk. Instead of one, instead of one person getting a, a the black lung, the whole world gets yeah. the black lung.
0: It's exactly that. I know some of it is generated by that hydroelectric power, but. A lot of it isn't. So weirdly, there is mining that has to happen so that mining can happen. <laughs> there is still somewhere, probably, a bunch of coal miners who are getting black lung underground so that that one guy can plug an Ethernet cable to maybe win the Bitcoin auction.
3: I just want to say that if there are regular Gargle listeners who are Bitcoin enthusiasts and feel like we're getting it wrong, please don't. Communicate with me in any way at all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's all right. Nato. don't they communicate with me directly?
0: Is there anywhere on the internet or like any podcast where we could find out about Bitcoin? Or have people <laughs> tell us about it?
2: <laughs> now it's time for our animal section. Uh, this is my favorite news of the week. Scientists have found an area of the ocean that contains up to 95% of all fish in the world that have hitherto been basically invisible to us. Uh, this This fish biomass has been lurking <laughs> lurking down in the deeps. Uh, NATO Green. do you follow this story?
3: I, I did follow this story i I was trying to figure out what the stat meant because the stat was that ninety five percent of the fish biomass in the sea are these deeper fish and and that those these fish are good at evading nets and so they're not getting fished by fisher people.
2: They're in what's called the mesopelagic layer which I say because I just found out what it was called.
3: Is the story telling us that we ate all the other fish already and that this is what's left? (laughs) (laughs) Or that there was...
0: Entirely possibly. (laughs) Or
3: that this was just a lot of fish in the deep sea that we didn't know about and they're still there?
0: Yeah, I was a bit puzzled by the story as well because the story does seem to be just a bit kind of... um... Hey, we just discovered that there are a lot more fish in the bit of the water that we don't keep taking fish out of.
3: <laughs> there's, there's a lot of fish left to eat, is the, is the way that I read the story.
2: <laughs> well, these fish are extremely good at avoiding nets, partly because they have large eyes and can see in dim light. And they also have enhanced pressure sensitivity. They go up in the nighttime to feed up to the higher levels and then down deep into the ocean. So they're just incredibly good at avoiding us. And there's so many of them. I'm not sure if we're gonna try and eat them or if they're gonna try and eat us.
0: Did you know there's way more grass on the bits of the planet that we don't mow? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I also really like learning about the layers of the ocean. So this is this is how I understood I understood the layers of the ocean, is that there's the epipelagic, which is the skin of the ocean, the mesopelagic, which is where we're talking about the hundred to a thousand meters deep, which is the middle layer the bathypelagic, which is deeper and refers to the layer where if you stay too long, your fingers get all pruny. And, <laughs> and then the abyssal pelagic, where there's Ed Harris from 1989's movie, The Abyss, uh, by James Cameron. And the uh, mm-hmm. and hadal pelagic, which is literally Hades, and you can't get there without putting a coin in your mouth.
2: Uh, <laughs> yep, that's that's our sea scientist, Nato Green. there reporting on the different layers of the ocean. <laughs> The other exciting uh, news that's come out of our animal section this week is spider news, uh, which is just a, is basically a viral image that's gone gone around the internet of a, a web of webs covering a large proportion of the ground in Australia. I don't find this exciting or newsworthy at all. Uh, this is what happens sometimes in October. You get a spider plague, so I don't know why people are bothered. Can either of you tell me why this is uh, news of any kind?
0: I can tell you why this is news for me, Alice. And that's because looking at the pictures, this is one of those many, like, occasional times I have in my life where I see something and then realize, like, oh, that's why people draw stuff like that in cartoons. Like, the first (laughs) time I knocked my head and actually saw kind of, like, stars. And I was like, oh, you really do see stars, like, in a cartoon when you knock your head. And these spider's webs...
2: And then you realize that the cartoon was, like, actual real life. Yeah,
0: and I'm like, wow, and... uh, I'm wow. wondering whether I'll also get, like, a lump that comes out of my head that I have to push back in with my finger. <laughs> but these spiders' webs, they look like Halloween decorations, and I didn't know spiders did that. Like, I thought that was just... You know that sort of sheet of spider web that you get from the Halloween store, which is a thing that I only seems to, I've only seen in America? In Britain, it would just be, like, a general store that has a little Halloween section... But in America, there are Halloween stores that open for about a month and a half and they run up and it's just like, we just do Halloween now.
2: And in Australia, we just place flies strategically around the room and let the spiders do them. <laughs> <laughs> just,
0: just leave some sugar out and just like, then the flies will come, then the spiders will come, then hopefully if you time it right, that's October the 31st.
2: Eventually the old lady will come.
0: <laughs> so yeah, the spiders kill the old person, then that person haunts the room. It's all a system. But this looks like the sheet of a sheet of web that you actually just buy from the store that looks like a cotton wool sheet and but it's real and it's just covering the crops and spiders did that.
2: Well, I mean this is a thing that happens often uh, when there's a flood that moves spiders onto higher ground they'll they'll gang together in this way because spiders aren't hugely communal creatures uh, despite all of your worst nightmares. Nato, uh, do you have anything to say about this story?
3: <laughs> so I so this is I this is where I learned with the this type of spiders during the, so as you say they flood and then and then they do this process called the ballooning. And I want to read the quote from the scientist describing the ballooning process. This is what the scientists said. That what the spiders were doing was, quote, ascending to a high point on foliage and letting out fine silk lines that catch the breeze and eventually gain enough lift to waft the spider up and away, end quote. That sounds... Like a scientific description of spiders and also the tear-stained journal entry of a 16-year-old girl sad (laughs) that the captain of the lacrosse team didn't ask her to prom.
0: Uh. I might as well just waft away. (laughs) It's called ballooning. All I can think of when I hear that is spiders having a gentleman's wager. (laughs) Like it felt like they met in their club in London. And for the price of a bottle of brandy, they're racing across Australia, leaving this (laughs) hell. halloween scene
3: in the wake. I think it it shouldn't be called ballooning. It should be called the spider rapture.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That brings us to the end of today's magazine. Uh, We can flip through the ads at the end. There's an ad here for netball. The most played sport in Australia, actually, is netball. It's meant to be originally a ladylike sport designed to stop women from running or jumping, but now is an insanely fast, extremely dangerous, and high-impact sport where huge Amazonian women go from full sprint to total stop in one step. Uh, There's also a warning here in the classified section. Uh, There's a poetry class being advertised on a number of poles around town and it's just a trap uh, for middle-aged women to steal your museum scarves the scarves that you've bought at the museum so if you do want to go to this poetry class uh please uh, double knot your museum scarf uh, matt kirschen have you got anything to plug in the ad section I, I
0: guess i have um i'm matt kirschen on the various social media i think there's an underscore in the instagram version that i don't use very much and then my podcast is called probably science where we go through the weekend science news with guest comedians including alice and hopefully NATO at some point. I'm just asking you to do a podcast in the middle of another podcast.
2: (laughs) That's how podcasts work. Sounds good. It's like Bitcoin. You can only buy an appearance on a podcast with an appearance on another podcast.
3: (laughs) I'll meet you at an imaginary mine in China, Matt.
2: Um... (laughs) I mean, the thing that you absolutely can buy with Bitcoin is Bitcoin.
0: (laughs) And also, if any of you are anywhere around Colorado, I'm about to do my first road gigs since lockdown. I'm going to be at Fort Collins at the Comedy Fort, and then I'm also going to be in Boulder at the Boulder Comedy Club. So if you're anywhere near Fort Collins or Boulder or know anyone who is, please send them my way. I don't want to do my first gig after lockdown to no people. So please come by.
3: I'm uh, at NATO Green on Twitter, Mr. NATO Green on Instagram. Uh, I have a couple comedy albums out that you can check out. Uh, the best place to acquire them in terms of uh, financial support for the artist is by buying them on Bandcamp. So please do that.
2: Uh, I'm Alice Fraser. This is The Gargle. The editor for this week is Ped Hunter. The executive producer is Chris Skinner. The Gargle is a Bugle podcast and Alice Fraser production. If you have a stories to send in, this week we've had stories sent in by Archibald Primrose and Stefan Chilcott. Uh, of course, send in your stories to at HelloGarglers on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at, at the Literative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E, and also on Instagram, or you can sign up at patreon.com slash Fraser for a one-stop shop for all of my stand-up specials, podcasts, and blogs, as well as my weekly Tea with Alice salons. I'll talk to you again next week.
0: You can listen to other programmes from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post, Tiny Revolutions, and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts.